Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. We're going to continue talking about our third type of storehouse, what Terrence just said, the interdimensional use storehouse. There are three specific stories that Jesus shows us using fish. Have you ever heard of a fish story? This isn't one of those, but it's completely one of those. You get what I'm saying? Whenever, whenever Josh goes fishing, his fish are like perch, and he's like, I caught a 10-pound bass. And I'm like, no, that's a perch, dude. This, yeah, see, that's the fish story. Is this? Anybody know the fish stories? Okay, so that's not what we're going to talk about today. But we are talking about fish, but they're not fish stories. Uh, we have uh, no handouts today. Did you notice that? No handouts? That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's because we're just going to get going on the fish stories, and we have a lot of Bibles. So I didn't want to fill up multiple pages of Bible. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and get your Bible out, get your smartphone out, get whatever you want out, and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5, and I'm going to set the story up, and we will put on the screens the verses so you know what to look for as we're doing it. We don't have the whole thing written out, just the actual uh, where it's found. Jesus has shown up on the scene. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been to the wilderness and been tempted and all those things have gone on. He's been preaching in the synagogues and healing people. He'd been casting out demons and, and, and doing all sorts of things that Jesus and only Jesus could do. And he's about to set up his, uh, his dream team, his group of 12 people who are about to be world changers. And this is the process that's about taking place. Uh, at that time, Simon, who would become a apostle or disciple, uh, had already heard about who Jesus was. They didn't know exactly what he was, who he was, but they knew about him. They had heard about him. They had seen some of what he had done. And Jesus is on the scene. And this is what is taking place on this first fish story. So I've asked Devin to read 11 verses. Just read all of them. Um, and we're going to go through the Bible and then I will piggyback off of it when we get done. But in your, in your Bible, look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Devin, please read. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your net, your nets to catch some fish. Verse 7, for anybody following along. Master, Simon replied, we work hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Verse 9. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. 
there is a lot of remarkable miracles that happens in this story. You guys are, be prepared to be blown away about what God has done in this. And let me set some groundwork. Jesus is a carpenter. Is he a fisherman? No. So think about it. You own a fishing business. You're really good at fishing, and a guy who doesn't have a clue about how to catch fish comes and tells you what you should do. You'd been working all night long, and how many men know when you've been working all night long and didn't get the results that you wanted to get, the last thing you want to hear is someone else's opinion. That's where Peter's at right now. All night long, he's fed up, he's tired, and then someone who doesn't even know how to catch fish comes to him and says, hey, throw your nets over on that side. But Peter didn't know the magnitude of who Jesus was, but as I mentioned a while ago, knew a little bit about him, so he said, okay, I'm going to do what you say, and then the rest of the story is history. He picked up a big amount of fish. But here is the interesting uh, aspect of this story. God, you guys can get blown away. Um, I own a business. So whenever I think of these things, sometimes I look at things to a business perspective. They just caught a lot of fish. To a fisherman who owns a fishing business, what does that equate to? Lots of money. And so what is happening here, you have not one boat, but you have two boats that are overflowing with what they called high-quality fish. Uh, They had never made this much money. They never made this big of a catch in a single day before. And so Peter's about to actually have two different decisions. Uh, Think about it from a business owner's perspective. They are about to come into some wealth, and they had to decide at this moment, what am I going to do with this money that's coming in? And let me show you why that's an important decision in a moment. When the interdimensional storehouse is in use, Listen to what happens. With the catching of the fish, Jesus supplied enough financial resources to take care of their families. The men thought that Jesus was just being kind to them to help them, but really Jesus had ulterior motives. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But what happened is that whenever they left their boat, they closed down their business. That's what it just said. We, we just read it. They had, whenever they had brought their to land, they left everything and followed him. So they closed down their business. So that got me thinking, how much fish could they have brought in? And I began to do research, and really, I'm not very good at research like that. So I found other people who did research and scholarly articles that have gone and done the math, gone and done all the equations, all the figuring out of what it was, how much fish got brought in, how much was it worth at that given point in time, what was the price per pound, what was the price per denarii, all these different things. And this is where you're about to be blown away. These scholars came up to the conclusion that a single boat would have held 31,348 pounds of fish. That's a lot of fish. But how many boats did they have? Two. So now they had over 62,000 pounds. There were four men in two boats. Assuming that all four men had equal ownership of the fishing business, we assume they, they took that catch and spread it evenly between all four men. Jesus called Peter and the three other men to give them to give up fishing and become fishers of men. On this single day's catch, Jesus brought in enough financial resources to cover for their four families. You'll never guess for how long. (laughs) 
Jesus started his ministry in 27 AD in, in, the, in the late summer and the spring of 30 AD it finished. So they say the ministry of Jesus was 3.47 years long. Whenever you do the calculations of the amount of fish that were brought in on that single day's catch, Jesus supplied enough resources for them, their families, if their mother-in-law lived with them, with their cousins lived with them, whoever lived within them, for 3.47 years. Jesus supplied the financial resources for the ministry that was about to take place, and they had no idea. But Peter then had to go and make a decision. Do I follow this Jesus, or, hey, I can retire. I just made a lot of money. So what was Jesus doing without Peter even knowing? He was testing his heart to say, look, you just came into a lot of money. What are you going to do with it? Isn't it just like Jesus to come in and say, hey, I'm going to ask you to follow me. I'm not going to tell you how long you're going to follow me, but we know since we've read the Bible, it's about three and a half years. I'm going to supply all the financial resources you need for the whole time that you're going to be with me. And you people, not you people, some people think that Jesus cares about you being broke. Jesus provided the income for their family. Jesus was showing them the power of the interdimensional storehouse. He operated outside of the natural. There is a dividend of blessing that comes when you operate within the house of the heavenly storehouse and how it functions. The first miracle of fish in the interdimensional storehouse is Jesus is showing us. When you give your life to the purpose that God has for you, Jesus will give you everything you need to supply for what's for your calling upon your life. You guys, you guys are quiet today. Worship kind of got you low because we're like, we're going to bask in the anointing. We've got to get serious. We're going to bask in the greatness of who God is and say, man, look what God did. He's just, a, how about God calling you to do something and says, I'm going to provide everything you need. Wouldn't that make you think about yourself and say, all right, God, all right, maybe there's something more to this. All right, thank you. What I'm trying to get you to grab a hold of Operating inside the interdimensional storehouse, supernatural returns of blessing come upon you and your family. All right, let's look at our second fish story. Let's, let's turn to the book of Matthew. We were just in Luke, so go back two books. In the gospel, Matthew, it's going to be on the screen. Chapter 17, it's not going to be on the screen. Bobby, can you push it on the screen? Thank you. Matthew 17, verse 24 through 27. Everybody there? All right, Devin, if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and read those verses. Okay. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple, ta temple tax came to Peter and, said to him, and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house, but before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. 
All right, here we have another supernatural event of provision. That fish in the sea of Galilee was waiting to be caught. God ordained that fish to have a silver coin in his mouth. In the interdimensional storehouse, this is what happens. Things that don't seem to be in the natural to work out, in the supernatural just work out. Is it normal for a fish to have a a silver coin in its mouth? Josh's fishes don't even have silver hooks in their mouths. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he didn't catch any. All right. So what, what happens is Jesus is operating outside of what is natural. He is showing the disciples, whenever you cooperate with me, there are things in your life that will work out that never worked out before. And they don't have to make sense on earth because I function, I operate differently. I operate out of what is known as the interdimensional storehouse. So therefore, whatever you need is made available to you because heaven has all things that you need. Ah, okay. In this fish story, and in all fish stories in the Bible, fish in the Bible signify man. I'm going to make you a fisherman. What God's saying is I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In this particular story, God is showing us that God will use people to support the ministry of the gospel. I thought that would get a little quiet. Do you see the parallel? The fish provided for the ministry, implying God will use man to provide resources for the ministry of the gospel to spread. All right, we're going to, we're going, you guys aren't, you're not not into that fish story, so let's go to another one. This one's going to rot your socks off. You guys are going to learn Hebrew. Anybody know Hebrew? Good, because I don't either. I'm going to make it up. I'm just kidding. All right, uh, in this fish story, let me set some ground before we get there. It's going to be John 21. Um, Peter denied Jesus three times the night that Jesus was taken to be betrayed. You've all heard the story, the rooster crowed, and you will deny me three times. Peter denies it. God, I will never deny you. You're my Lord. And well, it happened just as Jesus said it would happen. You'd get denied, and he would say, I don't, I don't know him. And Peter wanted to disassociate himself with the people that follow Jesus. And I actually did a little social media blip about this last week, because I was writing this, and that's what it came to me, that um, how did Peter differentiate himself from the other apostles saying that was with Jesus? He cursed. So whenever you curse, when you use foul language, you separate yourself from Jesus on the inside of you because that's what he used to say, I'm not like them. Right. Um, okay, that's a side note. That's a bonus. All right. So really, whenever you think of the story, Peter denied Jesus three times. And then what do you think Peter did? He felt guilty. You know, let's be real. He's a real human being. Yeah, he traveled with Jesus, but he still had the same complications that we have, that other people have. You know that Peter felt guilty over doing this. And it wasn't long after this that Peter said, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with this stuff. I'm going back to fishing. Jesus died went on the cross, resurrected. The disciples are like, we don't know what to do. We don't know what's going on. So what happens? Peter's like, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I knew. It was easier. Um, maybe, maybe we can do it this way. Let me personalize this. Maybe you've never denied Jesus, but maybe you've denied something he's told you to do. <laughs> maybe you put yourself in a position to compromise your integrity and you took it. And whenever you do these things, what does it make you feel like? A little guilty. 
A little bit like, oh man, I, maybe I, should, I, I, I think God's distant from me. But really, God didn't go any further distant from you. You just did it to yourself. But that's a side story there. But what happens is whenever Peter felt that guilt, we feel the same guilt whenever we do different things. Oh, I acted this way. I said this. I shouldn't have done. So we allow guilt to come into our lives and allows that guilt to take us to a place that we were never supposed to go. Peter let guilt come into his mind. And whenever he allowed guilt to get into his mind, what did he do? I'm going fishing. (laughs) Forget about the whole last three years of ministry. He saw the miracles. He was a part of the miracles. He saw the healing power of Jesus. He saw the blind walk and the deaf seat. Did I say those right? Yeah. Yeah. He saw demons that were full, that people that were full of demons. He saw it all. And when guilt got into his heart, he walked away from every bit of it. I'm going to go fishing. There are probably some people in Peter's life that said, hey, Peter, you denied Jesus. You're not qualified to be his disciple. You're, you did the bad one. You did worse than me, and you denied what Jesus did, and so you shouldn't be able to tell others about Jesus. Other people, dis- you know, you can hear someone's opinion about something about your life, you know it's not true, but the devil will use that to keep coming back at you time and time again, years and years later. Don't you think Peter sat there and said, man, I'm probably not worthy enough to do this? I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just me. But to me, it sounds like Peter is a normal human being. Even though he had traveled with Jesus for three and a half years, he still fought the same things that we all fight now. We have thought those things. I never thought I'm going to go fishing, but I've thought, hey, I'm going to go back to this or back to that and walk away from what I know God's called me to do. Why? Because of guilt. Because of different things that have gone on in my life. Because different things I've heard, different things people have said, different... Am I the only one here that's gone through all this? No? Okay. All right. And that's where we're going to pick up in this story. Let's read John chapter 21. There's 11 verses. Um, so turn in your, your Bible to John 21, chapter, or, uh, verse 1. And every, like, four verses, Devin, say the number so we can follow along. Because okay. you have, what is that, New Living Translation? Now she's in obvious. Yeah. Okay, all right. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. 
The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Verse 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Does everyone's Bible say 153? Circle that. Jesus never says anything without purpose. There's always a reason for what he says. And we're going to look at why the number 153 is so important. Um, Why did John feel the need to write how many fish that he caught? There's no other place where he says, hey, you caught this many fish. Why here does John say he caught 153 fish? Um, again, going back to, I went for research and other people scholar, scholar, scholarly, what's the word? That articles that have been published that people I trust and doing the research in this, um, th- this is, this is so cool. Guess how many people Jesus himself ministered to in the four gospels? Anybody know? Oh, huh, you guys are genius. If you count up, either, because sometimes he said there's 10 lepers and two blind. If you count up all the people in the four gospels that Jesus ministered to, it's 153. That's pretty cool, huh? (laughs) But wait, there's more. Um, I want to teach you a little Hebrew. If you would stick that Hebrew slide up, the yellow one, yeah. Why did you say, oh, uh, uh. Um, I'm going to try to make this as fun as possible because it's, it's, it, I think it's, I, I kind of nerd out on some of these things. Uh, in the Hebrew language, in the days when the Bible was written, numbers and letters were interchangeable. They, they didn't have like a number one, like a one like we would have. They would spell out their number one. But the number one is actually the same letter as the first letter of the alphabet, so whenever you look at Hebrew, how many of you think, well, I'm, I'm not going to set you up for failure. I'm going to set you up to win. Whenever you look at Hebrew, you don't read left to right. You read right to left. So you look at it, and the letter that looks like an N, that is olive. That is like what well, our alphabet would be like an A, but it's not an A. That's, it's their alphabet. They have 22 syllables in their alphabet. It's olive. But you know what the number one is? Olive. So how do you know if it's talking about the letter, the word, or the number? Whenever you read Hebrew, you read right to left. So it would be like, we would read like the the brown fox is six. They would read the brown fox is X-I-S. This is what they do. When it came to a number, they would switch it from left to right instead of right to left. That would differentiate whenever they wanted to put a number in the text. Are you following me? So instead of reading it like this, you read la-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
<laughs> so in the numbers, you would read like Aleph 1, and then you'd go, each number would be a letter, 1, 2, 3, 4, and then you go down to the next letters, and it's how you do multiples of 10, 20, and all that stuff. All right, so we're all biblical scholars. All right, we got this, all right? So if, if you're trying to understand all this, you won't, but what's really cool is whenever you understand that numbers and letters represent each other, you know now in certain texts in the Bible, in Hebrew, certain words will have different meanings based upon the numbers. Okay, so uh, there is a phrase in the Old Testament, it appears six different times. That phrase is banaha Elohim. That's a fun one to say, banaha Elohim. Uh, it means the sons of God. Are you following me? Banaha Elohim, six times in the Hebrew, it means what? Okay. The numerical value in the letters that make up the phrase, the sons of God? What is it? Okay. The same number of fish that were caught when Jesus was calling Peter back to his purpose. What does it mean? The sons of God. <laughs> Jesus brought Peter and the six other apostles right back into the business of fishing and what he called them to do by stating, you are going to continue to catch the sons of God. I thought that would get a little better reaction than that. Thank you, Terry. He's the only Hebrew scholar in here. He gets it. Do you understand the magnificent, the magnitude? He goes into a fish, into, a, uh, into the sea. He pulls out 153 fish, the same number that means the sons of God. He's prophesying to Peter's future. You're going to catch the sons of God. And we look at it, it's just 153. Oh, no, Jesus doesn't do anything without a greater meaning behind it. And he says, I've got a greater call and purpose on your life. You think you've been catching fish, but there's something more valuable. Shortly after this verse in 15, in verse 15, uh, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter says what? Yes, I love you. Why did he do it three times? To counteract the three times that he had been denied. He was restoring Peter back to him for what he said. Does that make sense? All right. So the, another really cool thing about the 153 is the Bible notes it was 153 what? Large fish. How much money did Jesus provide for them at the beginning of his ministry? 3.47 years. At what point now are they at in that journey? 3.47. Jesus just supplied enough money for their ministry to get started up again. 153 large fish. The word large wasn't implying the size of it. It was implying the quality. The higher the quality of fish, the more money they would make. So what happened was Jesus said, whenever you come and follow me, you're going to catch the sons of God. But at the same time, 153 is going to qualify you for the next six months of ministry already fully funded. That's a little better. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I don't know. I just think that's amazing. Um, what Jesus is showing Peter in the, in the totality of this miracle 
You denied me, but I forgave you and I restored you. Many of you have denied God on different things, but it doesn't mean you can't be restored. God was showing Peter, I am your supply. I funded you for the first three and a half ministry, for the first three and a half years, but I didn't just fund you, I funded your families. I funded everything you needed to do. And then whenever it came time to go into the, the actual call upon his life to start operating on his own, he said, I got that too. Some of you have been worried about what God's going to do, and God's saying, go walk in the purpose I have for you, and I'll start supplying the need. Jesus is showing Peter, I got you covered. All right. Uh, When you fish, you will catch men. I didn't tell you this part. Oh, this this is a cool one, too. This is the last one I'll tell you. 153. Whenever... They caught the 153 fish. Do you want to guess how many species of fish were in the Sea of Galilee? Geniuses. 153. It can't be proven, but it is highly likely that when Peter caught the 153 fish, he caught one of each species. Why is that important? Because Peter was being called to catch one of every people group in the nation of the race. He says, the, the, the Bible says that you are to go into the what? The world and preach the gospel. There is a calling on your life, meaning I am going to grab a hold of every single people group that are on the face of the planet to get the gospel of Jesus spread across. 153 doesn't just mean 153. It means the miracle provision of God is supplying every single facet and the purpose of that Peter had upon his life was all found in a stinking number that we've all read a thousand times and never thought a single thing about. So don't tell me your answer for whatever problem you're going through is not in the word. You just haven't gone in deep enough to the word to get the answer that you need. Whenever you fish, you will catch men of every single known people group. This is your purpose. In the interdimensional storehouse, Peter for three years followed Jesus and gave his life to that cause for that time that he was with him. Peter called a time out on himself. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Peter called a time out himself. I can't keep doing this. I'm going back to fishing. I'm gonna go back to what is easy, but... The interest of heaven came forth. Peter, go catch the sons of God. Your calling is not over because you think it is over. You have placed too much treasure in heaven. And whenever you call upon God to be the redeemer of the treasure you placed in heaven, it will take you out of every single aspect that you pulled yourself out of to say, I've got a call of God upon your life. I'm going to fund it. I'm going to resource it. I'm going to give you everything you need to do everything that God has called and put upon inside your life. If you do not store up treasure in heaven, Peter would have gone fishing and never returned back to the call of God upon his life. There is a treasure that will be redeemed by the blessing of God. We talked about it last week. The angels in in, uh, Jacob's dream, they would go uh, from earth. They would ascend on the ladder to heaven. They would do something up in heaven. God would bless it. They would bring it back down to earth and give it out to the person who gave it. The storehouse blessing in the immediate use, the intermediate use, and the interdimensional use is based upon what you supply 
supply the storehouse with. And the immediate and the intermediate, there is no return on that. It's whatever interest you can gain. It is whatever. But whenever you sow into the interdimensional use storehouse, Peter's calling was brought back forth where we have the word of God that we can do what we've called to do today. The interdimensional use storehouse begins to operate outside of our wildest way of thinking and doing. But if you don't make a deposit on there, there will be no interest able to be returned back to you. And you live a very frustrated, confused life because you went fishing. We often think that the interdimensional use storehouse, and Terrence said it a while ago, to lay up treasure in heaven is that storehouse. We often think, hey, I put 50 bucks in the offering, so that means I should get what? They say like five, 10, 100 billion return fold, according to the prosperity gospel. So I put 50 bucks in, so I should get 5,000 by the end of the day. In the interdimensional use storehouse, you sow a seed, you give, and God provides the interest. So what happens is, whenever you give into the interdimensional storehouse, you enable the blessing of God to come upon your life. If Peter would not have given his life to Jesus for three and a half years, and Gave into, and we can go back and read text other places where Peter gave and, and they served and, and they were kind, they showed hospitality. All of these things build up treasure in heaven. If, if they would not have done that, whenever the guilt came upon Peter to go fishing, he would have gone fishing. The interdimensional storehouse operates when God knows you need it the most. It's not based off of what you think you need. Every one of us in here would be like, hey, line my pockets with some cash. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go catch a fish with some silver in it. That'd be fantastic. I love silver. Silver's got a good price right now. I mean, you want some gold too. You're missing the point of why we give. You're missing the point of why we do what we do. It's because there is a world that needs the gospel preached to it. And if we do not fund the gospel from what God has called it to do, the gospel will no longer be spread. That you will not be able to walk in what your purpose is, in your assignment. So you have got to live your life in such a way that you fulfill and supply and give to your interdimensional storehouse. Because when the time is right... God will supply the flow back to you. Some of you have been thinking, I gave and nothing happened. I've thought that. I've done that. Anybody said, man, I gave and nothing happened? Don't act like you're all holier now because it happens to me. It happens to you. This, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were in California at a church conference um, my aunt had some of the biggest names in the church world speaking at this conference, and I'm going to be real honest with you. I probably shouldn't say this, but I was, it was a lot of church. Hours-long meetings, and you're there in the morning, in the afternoon, and you have to talk to these people after the services, and it's, it's just a lot. And you, we heard a lot of great things. And um, after every preacher, man, they, they took up that offering. They got that offering, so into, and I never felt compelled to do it one time. And, uh-oh, uh, uh, where are we going? You know where I'm going with this, Shelly. I love Shelly. 
Shelly, have you talked to Adrienne? She's got something for you. Um, and been there morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, morning, night. Okay, we're all, okay. My Aunt Nancy was preaching that night, and the lady gets up to take the offering, and all of a sudden, in my spirit, give X amount of dollars. I did not think about it. I did not even look at it. I went straight to my phone, went to her website, plugged in my card number, plugged in the amount of money. I looked over, showed Adrienne. She grasped, and then I said, I can't outgive God. And she's like, all right, give it. So I click submit. And you know what happened when I click submit? Nothing. You know what happened that night? Nothing. You know what happened the next 27,000 services I was in? Nothing. And then the last night came. Nancy had called up some people and she had called us up to come and minister to us. And she prayed for us and um, prayed for a lot of people and I went back to my seat. And you know what happened when she prayed for me? Nothing. I went back to my seat and I was standing there and then God showed up. She looked at me and she said, Taylor, there's hundreds and hundreds of people out here. She looked at me and she said, Taylor, whenever I touched you, the Lord wanted me to tell you. And she began to tell me what what that was. I couldn't do anything but fight back the tears. I'm a crier anyway. I mean, but what was she doing? The Lord was cementing me in my calling, in my purpose. That night that I gave, did I buy God's attention? Of course not. I did put myself in a position for the interdimensional storehouse to put blessing back on my life. She could have walked up and handed me a million dollars and I wouldn't have cared. I don't need it. But whenever she walked up and she said, Taylor, you're carrying on the call of God for our family. You were walking in your perfect assignment, your, your, your perfect will. That's all I needed. That was worth more than any money could ever be presented to me. And God knew that's what I needed. I went in thinking, Lord, I want more anointing. I want to be in your presence. I need the power of God in my life. And God said, I need you to be cemented in what I've called you to do because the assignment that's upon your life will have moments whenever you're not sure of what you're doing. And you've got to look back at the time when I said, I've called you to do this. So what happened? The interdimensional storehouse was not a financial supply in my life. It was a cementing in the call of God that's upon my life. So therefore, there's no value to what the, 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 the interdimensional storehouse could have brought me that day. Because it operates outside of what is natural. In this particular storehouse, as long as you continue to supply it, God will continue to pay back what you need. What you need is different than what you need. What you need is different than what you need. So you can't look at somebody else and say, I gave, they gave, why is it going like this for them and not me? No, 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 no. Whenever I gave and I clicked on that button, I did not pray for financial blessing to come back to me. I said, God, I give this to you and whatever you deem necessary for me to have the return, that's what I want. So what happened was, for me, it looked different than for somebody else. 
when we look at these three fish examples, what is happening is God is showing us that he has control. He is the one who provides for the interdimensional storehouse. I hope today, I hope, I hope you felt encouraged. I hope, you, I hope you saw that God is the one who supplies for what we need. God, God can take a fish out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and, and put a silver coin in its mouth. More than likely, that fish was swimming around and just ate the coin somewhere. And God just ordained that fish to be back where it was supposed to be. God took 153 and made it mean so much more than just 153. There are three examples here of Jesus operating outside of the natural. And what we have to do as believers is understand that whenever we give in the natural, something in the supernatural takes place. I'm not asking for money. I don't need your money. I need people who are hungry for God. I want people who say, God, whatever you want for me to have is what I want to have. If you want me to write a check for a million, then there's the check for a million. If you want me to go and be kind to a stranger, then I'm going to be kind to a stranger. If you want me to do this, you want me to come here and build this or buy whatever it is. That's what I want to do because my goal is not to become the wealthiest pastor in town. My goal is to become someone who is operating in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit where the interdimensional use storehouse functions at all given time so that, hold on, so that whenever we walk into this room the spirit of God falls in this place and no one leaves here the way they walked in I can't buy that but the blessing of God can come when we have a church full of people who are saying I want the blessing of the interdimensional storehouse upon my family, upon my kids, upon my marriage, upon my business, upon everything that my hand touches. I want the, it, I want the supernatural. I want only what you can do, God, to take place in my life because I know what I can do with it and I know what he can do with it and I know he can do a lot more than what I can do with it. So why am I trying to do with what I want to do whenever God says, give it to me and let me return back to you what you need for your assignment upon this life? Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. 
If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K, dot com, send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.